0: in everybody for our security sessions discussion today. We have a great topic talking about cybersecurity for small and medium-sized enterprises. As always reached out to great people in the community that bring thought leadership to these topics. Really what we're going to discuss today is the idea of in an era where technology is seamlessly intertwined into every business. How do we safeguard ourselves from the ever-present cyber threats? Small and medium-sized businesses are the backbones of our economy. And they're fueling innovation, generating employment, driving economic growth. They have unique challenges when it comes to remaining secure and growing, especially when it comes to expansion. (laughs) With us today, we have Stas, Will, and Hadass. And Hadass, if you wouldn't mind, maybe introduce yourself and let us know what you're working on.
1: Sure. I'm Hadass. I'm um, uh, the CISO at M1, which is a fintech based in Chicago. Uh, And I also do a little side hustle of uh, fractional CISO work for different businesses to just uh, help them and actually uh, SMBs, not SMEs, but uh, help new companies kind of figure out what they need to do in order to get secure.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Will, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Will Kusowski. So 20 plus years in cybersecurity industry, more than
2: half of that's been spent working in consulting and managed security services, Uh, pretty much have worked in every part of an organization that exists from doing, um, you know, sales support to delivery, R&D, operations, product marketing, product management, doesn't matter, I've kind of ran and done it. And uh, similar to Hadas, I've, you know, build VC so billets and done work with SMB companies and even you know MSSPs and MSPs you know wanting to build programs out
0: excellent thank you uh for being here and uh Stas
3: hi I'm I'm Stas Vazuka I'm the currently the CEO and founder of uh compile we're an information security automation platform my background is information security um I've been in this space for 20 plus years um I've been a CISO multiple times. I've got a degree in every accreditation pretty much in this space. Um and I specifically focused on financial services and highly regulated organizations from a security perspective.
0: Hadass, I'm going to toss this right over to you to start. You know, when we think about small and medium-sized enterprises compared to larger enterprises, um what are some of the specific challenges that are faced when it comes to cybersecurity and and how can small and medium-sized enterprises kind of make steps to improve uh, and mature their programs? Uh,
1: It it depends. (laughs) I I will say I am a recovering attorney, so I'm probably gonna answer that question, uh, any question with it depends. Um, I think that (laughs) it it, it depends on where anybody is in their cybersecurity maturity journey. Um, So uh, a large enterprise might actually be further behind than a smaller enterprise because they've built themselves up to this huge enterprise without ever considering security. And now they have to backtrack and figure out how to implement it. Whereas usually smaller enterprises are actually newer and have been building uh, their entire program on a secure basis. So I, it really does depend. It also depends on the industry that they're in, so, uh, and what kind of data they house, and what the what the business that they're doing is, and how secretive it is, and whether it's something like you know if they're if they're no offense to anybody who makes hamburgers for a living but if they're making hamburgers for a living maybe their data is their customer's purchase uh history which might not be as sensitive of data as say a fintech where it's people's actual personal information and their data on their financial status so i think that uh every i i i think maybe the question of um, smaller versus larger, isn't really the right frame. Um, it's really, where are you in your cybersecurity maturity and, uh, what are your next steps to become even more secure?
2: It's it's interesting to like, just as you say that, it makes me think through that process, having worked with both large enterprise and, and very small businesses. Um, it's a lot easier, I guess to, well, may not easier, but, um, you know, the the checklist is the same, regardless of how big you are, but maybe it's a little easier to work through when there's only 20 people at the company, right? Uh, well, when there's not, not, not only 20 people,
1: yeah. but, but also <laughs> less integrations, right? When you're just starting out, your environment isn't even going to be as large as, say, you know, I mean, the difference between uh, some brand new startup that's just got uh, a a few um, servers in AWS or whatever, versus Nike, you know, (laughs) it's gonna be a much different uh, environment to try and build out security.
3: Yeah, and that cat's kind of already out of the box for for a lot of these organizations. (laughs) <laughs> so pulling them back in is
1: super difficult. And and also all of their tech debt that they have. And you know, the stuff that they don't even know about because they didn't even think to do asset management 10, 15, 20 years ago. Do people develop-
2: I was to say we're gonna talk about <laughs> asset management again? I don't think we've had these where we didn't talk about asset management.
3: It's it's always like it it's such a pain point, right? Like it's uh it's such a pain to do and nobody wants to do it, but yet it's like the most important thing that you have to do. And
2: yeah yeah okay yeah
3: Yeah. I I
0: I think I think I think uh you know as I think about this and I understand what the three of you are are getting to right bigger bigger kids bigger problems right so the potentially a larger organization could maybe have larger problems and that makes a lot of sense but I think when you think about resources and maybe kind of buy-in from a financial perspective Potentially, that small to medium-sized enterprise potentially could have some issues implementing um, a program, or you know maybe it's just expertise that they lack in house. So when you kind of look at it through that lens, Stas, and maybe you could kind of uh, bring some context to this: is the, is the is you know lack of expertise could be a major vulnerability for an organization relying on consultants uh or or third parties could be a challenge um how in 2023 can these small to medium-sized enterprises maybe strengthen their security program with maybe limited resources
3: um yeah absolutely i think i think we're all pretty I'm, I'm assuming we've all seen the google ad now the seven hundred fifty thousand employee shortage for cybersecurity. i mean I, I think i see it every single day in one way or another but um Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a shortage of information security folk full stop. Um, And, um, and then there's also, I mean, there's also a shortage on the the side that it's, um, um, even if you do manage to get somebody in information security, if you get like a manager or an analyst, doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily be able to cover all aspects of it. I mean, this, this space is so broad, um, mile wide, inch deep, but the, the, depth really does depend on how the organization is structured and what's important to them, which is going to Hadat's point. Um, but um I think realistically uh, organizations need to understand what their what their skills are. Um, and if there are gaps, then they need to find creative ways to fill those gaps. Um, I think if uh if outsourcing um to a third party or getting a fractional CISO or something along those lines helps, then they should look into doing that. And it's uh, it's more cost effective. Um Tooling is not often the solution, um, but if you can find a tool that can bring together information um, in an organization into into one platform or um, maybe two um, and consolidate some of that, then that's definitely worth looking into that as well. But going on buying more tooling just for the sake of it um, is, is not the way forward as well.
1: I just i think that the industry is going to change honestly and and by industry i don't mean security industry i mean technology industry is going to change where security is going to uh become part and parcel of everybody's job Mm -hmm. and so we're not going to be looking for security practitioners to secure our environment we're going to be looking for uh devops that have uh security embedded in uh their knowledge base we're going to look for developers who understand security and understand uh sast and dast as well who are going to uh understand that it is part of their job to behave securely and to code securely and to implement securely and Um, Then security is going to be and and it's kind of how I build my programs anyway, especially in smaller environments, which is uh, the security department isn't what's providing security we're providing security as a service to the company so we are there for expertise when the easy stuff gets hard we are there for um when issues arise how do we uh deal with those and then take preventive steps for the future of those types of issues but i think that you know that that jobs job gap is kind of I hate using this term, but misinformation in that it's all the same, almost the same level (laughs) and, and, and skill and resource and what we're going to do to alleviate that job gap or that skills gap is actually add those skills into other jobs that are already in the environment, hands on, having to do the work.
2: I was having this conversation just the other day about what you just said, which, uh, you know, a lot of people get caught up in security has like their job is secure. Like it's, it's, as a security professional, we should be doing security. I was like, at the end of the day, let's take firewalls. A security person doesn't need to manage the firewall, Let the IT department manage it, the security group says how it should be managed. And then they audit it right. To make sure it's being done that way. The same thing, you know, I mean, we can joke about how developers aren't taught to code securely. Um, you know, that's that's something we've been fighting for years. But if you, you teach them to, ed, to, to, you don't have to employ a security coder or a dev person, um, but you define your SDLC to be secure. You put your DAS, your real-time pen testing, all of that stuff. You build a program around it, and then you manage the program. And, and to that point, you no longer have to, you, the, the, the skills gap becomes the problem. Instead of like, we have an opportunity now, based on what Hadas is saying, and I completely agree for more generalists to become you know and not have to be like I'm a generalist I love it but I've also been doing it for 20 years that's why I'm a generalist it's you know a lot of people when they're young they start and they get focused on one certain area about one thing and you know maybe not thinking about being a generalist or understanding how to apply security to multiple areas and we have an opportunity now because we have that middle of the diamond in that you know which is there's just a big gap of people we've got a lot of really expensive really experienced resources and we got a whole lot of people that want to get into the industry but that
3: meat right there in the middle
2: is where the gap i think exists
3: but but also,
1: and for now i'm sorry go ahead stash
3: oh oh, no i I was gonna i was just gonna actually just reiterate your point um is that um a lot of the times like oh people working in organizations don't often know the type of data that they're even interacting with or the type of data that they that they have access to. Right. I mean, the amount of times that I've um, I've talked to developers um, in financial financial institutions that don't understand, like the importance of like position data, for example, like they don't even know what it is. Right. So they have no idea why they should be protecting you or what you know, what they're looking at. And the same thing with like health records or, you know, if we look at um, uh, what happened with um, Cambridge uh Cambridge Analytica, right? A few years ago and like everyone was kind of like, oh, like what can they possibly do with like 90, you know, 90 data points from Facebook, right? And it was like, turns out you can do quite a lot with it. Like over the, like over the, <laughs> remember, you know.
1: remember all those surveys you filled out about your favorite artist yeah. and your first car and oh hey, remember exactly. all those wallets of questions you have to answer to prove you are who you are? Yeah,
2: yeah. security questions. Well, um... Uh,
1: yeah, I also think uh, I I do agree that there are especially for smaller companies, right? There's smaller companies, smaller budget. But I also think that uh, smaller company, less landscape. And, you know, I I actually just posted on LinkedIn this past week uh, that uh, I'm I'm almost sick of hearing uh, CISOs and security professionals uh, crying about not having enough money and not getting enough budget. That's everybody's problem. Every leader in an organization doesn't get all of the budget that they're asking for. And that's your job. Your job is to say, okay, I'm fighting for this much money. I got this much, which is the same as I wanted or less. And now I have to understand what my priorities are and how to make this company as secure as possible with the resources that I have. And sometimes that means you bring in a consultant. Sometimes that means you bring in uh, managed services. Sometimes it means uh, you tell the company, hey, this is too few resources. And so now you are accepting the risk and this is what the risk is. But um, it, that's just that's just business. <laughs> yeah, That's business. And that's and, and if you want to be in the in the seat of a CISO. That means you have to understand the priorities of the business, how the business makes money, and where you fit in in the grand scheme of that so that you're protecting the company so that everybody has a job tomorrow.
3: Yeah, and the risk appetite of that organization is super important to understand. Right. And most, most organizations, I mean, I've, I've been in so many organizations where like the security uh, and the compliance teams are just so not well-regarded because it's always computer says no, and they don't really understand what the, what the business is and how they make money. Um, and it, it always has, you have to be very, it has to be a reasonable level of security for the risk appetite of that organization. And so many people right. don't.
2: Yeah. I, I preach that all the time, uh, to, especially to those getting into the, or, or those that like, I think I did another podcast, like on individual contributors versus CISO and, and leaders and like sort of the mindset and you get a lot of, um, people, you know, not at the top who don't understand that. And they're really unhappy because they don't get the cool tool they want, or they don't have the, you know, they don't understand. Well, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the business's job is to sell their widget, whatever that widget is,
1: and not to do security. Yeah.
2: And make money doing it. Like It's not security. Like you're a byproduct. I've said this before. Um, one of my former colleagues coined it. It's security is airbags and seatbelts. It shouldn't be sexy. It should just be what has to be done. It's just necessary. Right. And how but that's not to say it can't be sexy. <laughs> no, no, no. It can be, sure. But, but you know the, the the thing I say is you you get the security professionals who all feel like you know they're, um, you know, SEAL Team 6 and doing Black Ops and all of this really like, they're, they're super, super And then they're angry. Rangers.
1: Nobody pays any attention yeah. to me. Like, <laughs> all right. Like, go go back to your corner. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's
2: cool and all, but not really like the company you work for, you know, their job is to pipe, you know, pump gas from here to there, or their job is to, you know, hold your money in a place. So, so when you need to buy something, it's there. It's not to, you know, uh, yeah. feed your ego. <laughs>
0: hadas i am curious how you think about this because I think that's a really interesting kind of viewpoint right uh the, the there may be a uh security gap of professionals right now, but maybe how we feel that is actually just training up some other positions right and and i and actually i I really like that kind of thought that makes a lot of sense to me but how do you how do you think about overall security uh and awareness training in an organization um, because there's, I haven't really seen anything and please let me know if there is something great. I haven't seen anything great that really kind of helps not like just check the box. Like, Hey, we ran the program and the person passed, but like kind of raise the level in an organization, um, to understand why it's so important. H- how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I have some really strong opinions about security awareness and, and, a- a company. Um, <laughs> my first is, can we please stop phishing internally? It's such a waste of time and it makes every single one of your employees hate you. Um, it's uh, They feel like they're being tricked by their own security department. Um, they don't think it's funny. They don't think it's clever. Stop it. Um, what you can do, though, is reward people for pointing out whatever they think is a security issue and then blog about it announce it make everybody aware that a this wonderful person pointed out this potential security issue and isn't that great everybody's job is to keep us protected so reward that out loud um and then don't embarrass anybody um like if uh if if somebody either report something that's not a security issue, don't poo-poo it, like still celebrate that they've reported it. Um, If somebody's made a mistake and has created a security issue in your environment, it's totally okay to reward that person as well for being clever enough to help us prevent that from ever happening again. As long as that person isn't a repeat offender over and over and over again, like you shouldn't, Security's hard, man. There was this—I went to this, uh, um, oh, whatever, like security seminar or something. I want to say seven years ago. It was definitely pre-COVID. And one of the uh, people who spoke was talking about his security company. And I'm not going to name the company, but I'm going to tell you it is one of the top like, well known names in security. And he was saying that they had had a security awareness uh, training like they had their annual security awareness training. And one week later, they did a phishing test in the in the company. And this company's main job is to provide security and security awareness for others. And they failed at 60%. That is a company whose main focus is security and they failed a week after their security training. So what does that tell me? That tells me that anybody can fail security Tests and anybody can fail uh, meeting their security requirements and so shaming people's not the way to go about it. The way to go about security awareness is make sure that you have as much uh, and as good of automation as you possibly can in your environment so that your people don't have to worry uh, about clicking links because they're going to click the links. Um, that you have enough monitoring in your environment so that if they click those links and your automation, uh, doesn't catch it, your monitoring does, um, and then, uh, teach people to be kind, but skeptical, um, everybody at your company wants to help. They want to help their fellow employees. They want to help your customers. They want other people to feel comfortable and confident to be able to do their job or to get whatever services your company offers. So. It- they're gonna be kind. They are going to be kind to each other, but they should still be skeptical. Oh, I want to help you, but I still need to know who you are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I use that
2: when I do training uh all the time. Like they're going to identify with you personally. And a lot of times people aren't do you know, the, the people who are like I said, they're they're not internal, they're not insider risks trying to steal espionage your data out they're just trying to be nice and help the next you know help this person that called them but they do need to have that that level of skepticism i will say that i have i I have seen some i have seen improvements i think you know we've gotten past the the days of where um doing a 130 minute session each year is not you know we, we all know you have to train regularly and it has to be entertaining it has to be engaging and that could be a bunch of different ways right so there's ways that you can actually and i love the idea of celebrating the you know the the victories for everybody right and so one of
1: the ways i train is i see what's going on in the news you know i look at security news ars technica and and like all of it like all all of the different threat mags and anything that is pertinent to my industry i will Call attention to it in our Slack channels, and write a little blog, or write a blog in Confluence, and say, "Hey, did you guys hear about this amazing security thing?" And say it in a, a language that people understand. Right. It so it's not super technical, and just say, "This is what happened. This is how it happened. This is how you can protect it." M one or whatever company that you know I'm doing this for from this happening in our environment. And so it's like ripped from the headlines, but it's still education without and we still do the security awareness training, it's obviously still required. But I just don't think that that's as helpful as uh, calling attention to real world incidents that can resonate with the people who work for you. Right. And to
2: to this point, though, it's, it's great to use that data that Hey, if I got a bunch of information about, you know, your Facebook profile or, you know, people like we we found, you know, uh, we found a bunch of titles and email addresses. Who cares? Well, who cares? Here's what happens if I use that. Here's how the bad because we all think like the baddies and everybody else is just going to work wanting to help everybody. Right. So by putting that context in, I remember when I years ago when uh, we First started getting into this OT security stuff, there was like a room full of people talking about, well, what would you do if you could have like, oh, I'm going to add too much sugar to the recipe and mess it up, or I'm going to do, and I was like, no, I'm going to turn off all those security sensors and I'm going to overflow that thing until bolts start popping. <laughs> um, and I can blow the building up or cause physical, like what's the worst thing I can possibly think of to do with this? And most people don't think that way. So by showing them, oh yeah, your little your little puzzle piece of data, you don't think it's important but here's what we do when you piece it all together and then you know china builds an airplane right so i mean for sure that's and, you were saying you
3: no know, i'm i'm all for the like no blame culture like with that that's you know that i've been behind that forever um but i do, i mean i don't know if you guys just saw but like virus total got hacked yesterday and 6,500 um accounts including government uh public whatever, like just tons of accounts have been exposed um but that was phishing um and as much as it shouldn't be an issue and business email compromise shouldn't be an issue and this is stuff that we've been talking about since the inception of email it's still it's still an issue um and for like what I do think the phishing, I, I do think the phishing training is important um I have seen good results off of it I think it has to be very uh interactive and I think it has to be forward thinking they can't be made that you're trying to purposely catch out people in an unreal scenario, but I do think it is important and um, yeah, I don't know I just um i I just thought uh, hadasse I thought your take was that, on that was interesting, but
1: um, yeah yeah. I still I still think that like fishing your employees is just it causes a bad taste in their mouth. And um there are ways to teach people about fishing that isn't and I am fishing you. Um there's uh oh I'm not gonna I think it's seven security habits. Uh I'm gonna look it up, but there's an excellent book that talks about like what to do uh and how to teach uh security. Uh, better in your environment um so that you can uh you can still teach about fishing and prevent fishing like one of the things is like um when you're when you're reading email uh frown and that's so it sounds so silly but if your if your facial expression is one of skepticism or or grumpiness, I guess, then you are going to be more skeptical when you're reading your email and not trust it as much. Um, (laughs) You teach people not to open emails uh, from outside sources after lunch because they are more likely to just go through the process without thinking through it um, at the end of the day. Um, So all of these different uh, habits that you teach people are going to be better than sending them uh really savvy fishing uh tests because realistically it we're no longer getting emails from nigerian princes that are misspelled the the fishing lures are so much more sophisticated that even highly uh skilled and technical and secure aware professionals are are not are not bypassing the fishes right like they are they are getting fished, and so Sorry, I was go just,
2: ahead. I was going to say, you're bringing up a great point that I think is worth highlighting because everything you're saying is spot on. And but there's something there's something to this that I think a lot of organizations don't have, and that is somebody to actually do the education.
3: That that's the. So,
2: <laughs> I, I went. I mean, if I go back to my master's degree decades ago, like I did my last project, you know, looking at the human element, and the one thing you know I discovered then, and I have seen throughout my career, is you need to educate, just like you like like you really want them to learn. You can't just buy a tool and yeah, it's great that they can see a thing. You can't do just a fishing thing. You have to actually invest in people who understand the the landscape and the technology and understand how to train people. There's this. Um... All right,
1: well, fourteen dollars and eighty nine cents <laughs> can buy you the hardcover copy of Well Aware. <laughs> master the nine Cybersecurity habits to protect your future written by george finney and um you can buy one for each one of your employees and use their education budget for it so f- less than fifteen dollars uh to educate your uh and and then you don't have to write that up they can read that it's already written
0: it's interesting because it, it seems like what I think in different ways, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like what w- where we're landing is kind of in 2023. And as we go forward, we're, we're no longer in a place where like security can just kind of make a visit once a year, um, kind of r- run your test and then leave the organization. There has to just be a an attempt, and maybe there's multiple ways to do this, but to lay, raise the level and, and implement a bit of a security culture throughout your organization. And until I guess, uh, you know, employees understand that, you know, they really do play a big part in this, um, that that's where maybe some vulnerability c- can be had. Will I thought you brought up a great point. Maybe some of the challenges are just the, the, uh, the training side of it, right? Having somebody, um, well, I'm curious, have you seen any new techniques or, or training, uh, kind of approaches that that are truly unique or is it really just you you have to get creative
2: i mean there's the i the stuff that i've seen that i personally like is are things that you know they've kind of they understand it's about short bursts of training continually so you know a two to three minute video once every two weeks, that kind of highlights, and they and they do it in a entertaining fashion, right? So it's not like you sitting there and clicking. Also, uh, and I've worked with a couple of companies where we do gamification of this kind of stuff. So hey, let's teach you what these you know what these words mean and how this is done, and then we're going to put you in a, a scenario where you get to be the secret squirrel, you know, seal team guy, and 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 choose how you would ha- how you would get in and 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 work through that so i think those interactive things i've even done personally um a uh essentially like a, a d d session um where you know i run through different characters we say hey here's the types of here and you educate them on personas of different types of attackers and you let the the users pick who they want to be and then okay now how do you want to what choose your target and then they helps them get into that mindset so i think there are more ways to to be uh, more effective and more interactive. But again, to the point, I think there's just so many businesses who are just like, I just want to check this box. I'm going to buy this product, or I'm going to put this phishing tool that's going to go on there. And then, yeah, everything. And then, you know, are we going to get any better with it or not? Right? Because honestly, you could probably just, uh, I think most companies of of a certain size, you know, who can afford it, could probably just hire an actual individual as a, you know, security trainer, and probably see a pretty big impact. Um, just happening. having that person go to work every day and you know breed that security culture and do that. I mean, I know as CISOs and, and and you know everybody in security, we try to to be part of that. But like everybody else has a day job, and to actually commit time daily to to be you know my job is to make sure everybody else is doing a
3: better job. I think that would work. Uh, I've seen dedicated roles for security training um, and business change in in organizations for sure um it is it's it's very subjective as well right I mean it's also the tolerance of the organization like I've seen so many come I've seen so many organizations that have slowed down their awareness training just because the you know they can't get the language right or like they're the eyes in the wrong place or like you know whatever um and it really just like you kind of just lose lose the point of the whole of the whole thing and um yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's still, I think it's still very difficult.
1: I, I don't know. I think that's all harkens back to the first question where we talked about how we do more with less. And the answer is you make sure that everybody knows that part of their job is yeah. to be security. And um, you spell that out for them in their job description and you explain to them exactly what being secure means. And I, it, it, like anymore to me, it feels a lot like um you know security training is a lot like the HR training we had in the 90s where it was just kind of hokey and everybody's like oh fishing again (laughs) you know and like they they watch their videos but they have something else going on in the background and just click through and it's it just it feels like a chore and um anything that feels like a chore in trying to teach people stuff they're not really learning it, you know it's it, it it's, needs to be
2: targeted too as I mean I'm sure all of us have had to take that training and go seriously and like we can click through it in 30 seconds I'm like if you're going to train me in my experience are you are going to train a developer whose job like train them on their role and how their role impacts security instead of just doing um, you know, this generic, hey, make sure you don't write your password on the thing and make sure you don't have, you know, clean and desks Don't use the and same
1: passwords. Desks. Yeah. Yeah,
2: um, exactly. Like, no, tell this
1: person here. Don't run an admin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I have seen some training uh, that's really segmented by department um, or, and I, I, I agree with you. Well, I think that that could have, uh, you know, a real, real positive impact um but I, wanna, I want to I wanted to shift so I have a question that I want to ask the three of you and kind of get a feel for wh- where you think this is going to land so in the when it comes to fintech cybersecurity, um what trends do you believe will have the most significant impact on organizations this year um and will we'll we'll start with you <laughs> it, within fintech specifically um, I, I
2: actually, here's what I think, but I'd like Kadas to correct me. Um, I think because we look at that space as being smaller, more agile, lots of startups, and we've sort of seen what happens when, you, um, when you're when you in that space and ignore things like regulations and security controls. Um, that to me is is a big deal. I, I think there's still a big menstrual. A strong mentality in the startup community to just kind of do the technology and then add the security afterwards so i i'm hoping that's not the case in the fintech space but i i have i can't say i haven't seen that that's not the case that's what i would i would ask that out.
1: uh i i mean i'm i'm in fintech and yeah we have your, security your so i don't, you know uh so uh <laughs> what is the what is your answer then what is the trend
2: well i <laughs> i is- think i think the i think the you know, the the regulations that are that are going to be impacting those businesses and whether or not they actually comply and do the right things that they should be
1: yeah i don't know i um like there there are regulations already and i would tell you honestly my my experience with those regulations and this is not just in fintech this is in every industry i've been in that is regulated by especially a governmental body um those governmental bodies are you know five to ten years behind what actually needs to be done and so yeah i guess it's i suppose it's okay uh to like enforce it for people who aren't paying attention but i think most startups are with engineers now who know the necessity of security and so i just i I feel like the regulatory stuff is actually just um uh mm, sometimes security theater instead of real security um for me i would say it's going to be somewhere between, uh, AI stuff and zero trust, you know, um, zero trust of course is going to be prevalent in every industry. And the more you can do that in your environment, the better off you are. And especially if you're a startup and you start building from there. start from the ground one. That's the best way to do it. Um, instead of having to retrofit, you're just going to have a more secure environment that is going to have, uh, uh issues impact it less because of the zero trust um and then i say ai powered threat detection because um i i've also heard of um uh different companies getting hit with ai powered threats and so uh, and ml powered threats and it's just um it, that's that to me um, it, you're gonna end up playing whack-a-mole uh, a lot and and abusing your resources time, um, which is going to exhaust them and prevent them from doing exciting things and also prevent them from doing other critical things in your environment. And so if you're not uh, leveraging AI and ML, um for threat detection uh or for creating uh, different uh different security uh, capabilities in your environment you're gonna be so far behind especially even three years from now so um i know everybody's afraid of having ai and in their environment and, and they have a right to be especially because of the the data leakage that you're going to have in your environment if you don't um uh monitor that um but if you think that you're preventing your people from using ai in your environment you aren't so you should find a way to embrace it so that people use it um carefully um and uh find a way to have your especially developers who are you know geeks and love solving problems um find new and creative ways to use it to uh um bolster your security program
2: yeah, we as somebody working in MSS for a long time, ML and AI has been decades, you know, for we've been using that and trying to make it, make it better. And we've just hit that exponential shift now where it's just really, really valuable. So.
1: It's also fun. Like, <laughs> let, realistically, it doesn't matter. Like, even if you're, uh, you know, just like a nascent uh, user of tech, it's fun for you. And all the way up through, um, you know, the, the real like PhDs in, in tech geekery, <laughs> like it's fun to play with. And so un- unleashing carefully, but unleashing your, uh, your devs and your employees into this new pool, uh, to play with the new toys is, is going to be exciting.
3: For sure. And for sure. yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's my turn, I assume it is. Yeah, it is very <laughs> it's officially um, your turn. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, that's the thing with technology, right? It's ever changing and it's not gonna wait for somebody to say yes or no to it. It's just, it, people either embrace it or they don't. And if you don't embrace it, you get left behind, like it's just how it goes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, um, Hadassah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. And the, the other thing I was just gonna like, it's funny. Cause we, none of us said the same thing, which is great. Um, mine was gonna be zero days, um, because of AI, um, we're already starting to see that and we're already finding bugs in software, like uh 20 years old and things like that and i I think it's just gonna we're gonna see a ramp up of that towards the end of the year um as people start um using it more and more um uh, that would be my prediction
1: yeah and and uh, we have to be really careful of that too because um what what ai is doing is um making it easier for anybody to be a hacker and anybody to be a threat and so um the, the tools are becoming easier on the other side. So we have to, we have to do stuff on our end to, uh, prevent that. And I think between ZTA and, uh, uh, AI powered threat detection, like that's, that's where we have to go.
3: Absolutely.
0: For sure. Well, I want to thank the three of you for making time, uh, today. This was a fun conversation. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting when we started off and we were talking about, um, kind of the small to medium sized enterprises, you know, we, we took a, a, a deep dive into the the training side and the fishing side, but I I think we brought a lot of kind of good light to the conversation, and I think uh, viewers will get take be able to take away some uh, ways to improve maybe their way of approaching fishing and training, understanding the importance of it, and best ways to kind of um, you know get people to buy in versus forcing people to just do this thing to check a box. Um, so thank you so much for being here. And uh we look forward to having uh three of you back on, on another uh another episode. Thanks everybody.
1: Thank you. Thank
3: you. Bye.